goodest of good days to one and all of our podcast pals. We trust we find you fearfully well, all abrim with hectic, almost violent health and vigour, and all in all, utterly and completely in the hottest and brightest of all possible pinks. Of course, if you're not, there's little to be done about it for a while. As you may have heard, many of our hard-pressed doctors have been warming their hands over braziers on picket lines this week, as opposed to using their skilled and well-trained digits to cup the meaty business of poorly punters while inviting them to cough. Actually, do do doctors still do that? Uh, Aside from being fitted for a nocturnal torture device to alleviate a chronic snore, the only parts of old Foxy that have attracted the attention of the medical profession lately have been his feeble mince pies. Uh, I like to think it still goes on, though. It's part of a, it's an integral part of a glorious British tradition of finding mirth in medicine. It's probably gone, though, along with saucy nurses, chain-smoking dads in maternity ward waiting rooms, and people receiving unwarrantedly heavy-handed enemas as a punishment for pissing off matron. Did Sid James die in vain, cats and kittens? No, he died in Sunderland. On stage at that, as I understand it. However, let us living spectacle of bleary-eyed quacks, linking stethoscopes and joining their voices in a rousing chorus of We Shall Not Be Moved to one side for the moment, shall we? Instead, I'd prefer, if you don't mind, to take a moment or two to really wallow in the secluded Sylvian splendour of our happy place. Well, that's, uh, yeah, that's probably enough of that. Peace and quiet is all well and good, but uh, this isn't Radio 4's tweet of the day. Fortunately so, as it turns out. Uh, Gorgeous and soothing, though the avian accompaniment to these seances are, uh, I I don't have a scooby about any of the feathery fuckers around me. Uh, I don't know what they actually are, nor what their trilling and chirping is supposed to convey. Uh, No, I'm more than usually conscious this week of how dashed lucky young Arkham and I are. Uh, to be able to rest a while, free from anything more disturbing than the odd train going by or a particularly discordant cheep from an aggressive corn crake. Yeah, that's, that's the sort of bird, isn't it? No matter if it isn't, of course. I dare say that there are ample podcasts around to satisfy any ornithological curiosity you may have on that score. No, the reason for this renewed, albeit uh, willfully in uninformed appreciation of nature's songsters, is that it is in sharp contrast to the poor devils on Japan's Hokkaido Island this week, who were startled by the eerie wail of air raid sirens as Japanese authorities detected a long-range missile whizzing about in the vicinity. Well, at least one would assume they were startled, eh, what? I don't know about you, but while I pride myself on my sang-froid and nerves of chilled steel in the normal run of things, I think it's fair to say that I'd pretty much shit myself inside out if I heard something like that. Uh, Residents of the islands were uh, warned to either take shelter underground or evacuate the area, as the radar bothered to ascertain what the North Korean projectile was likely to do. Of course, in this instance, it turned out to be one of those all's well that ends well scenarios, for which there may very well be a pithy Japanese phrase, but I don't know it, and the beastly rocket plunged into the sea relatively harmlessly. I say relatively harmlessly because uh, it doubtless didn't do any marine life in those parts much good, and because anything noisy or destructive in that area can only serve to disturb the slumbers of Godzilla, Megalon, or Ebira, Horror of the Deep, uh, a little bit, thus rendering a dreadful hoo-ha all the more likely. 
For now, though, things seem to have settled down. I, I was rather struck by this little nugget in a Reuters report on the uh, incident, however. Quote, For a second in the train, there was panic, but a station worker said to calm down, and people did, a student told NHK. Unquote. Well, obviously, one hesitates to make uh, either broad generalisations or to leap towards uh, stereotypes, but I, I rather fancy that a quote like that would be hard to find had something similar occurred in these not notably united kingdoms. Stone me, it only takes a half-hour rail delay or, heaven forfend, a two-day strike to make a platform full of Britishers lose their goddamn minds. For, for all our chat about the uh, spirit of the blitz that doughty old blighty can muster up when the chips are down, when our backs are against the wall and when the cliches are flying like the bullets on Sword Beach. Another equally instructive aspect to this thankfully a harmless but still fucking terrifying tale I picked up uh, is the information that the uh, deteriorating relationship twixt North Korea and its near neighbours has meant that the obligatory daily phone call between North and South Korea's hasn't happened for a couple of days. Well, being informed listeners, I expect many of you know all about this, but I had no idea that it was a thing. It, it struck me that it must be a dreadful chore for those involved, too. Rather like those uh, times when, towards the arse end of a failing relationship, a couple feel obliged to call one another but don't really want to. You fancy doing anything... Not really, I'm pretty busy at the moment. You want to come round for a you know, spot of ours, your father? No, I'm kind of tired, to be honest. And so it goes. Until, sparked by pure desperation for something to say, General So-and-so starts reading out the ingredients on the bag of crisps they've been eating, as though speculations as to whether or not Monster Munch is sneaking more E200 and who gives a damn into their product will either bring about world peace or a perfunctory grudge fuck. These are, I realise, thoughts that could well be characterised as frivolous, but uh, as nothing terrible actually happened, it's, uh, I assure you, it's more the relieved babbling of somebody who grew up, well, more or less grew up anyway, the, the final bugs weren't ironed out until about 2015, and I'm being generous, uh, but no, I, I grew up during the ghastly days of the Cold War paranoia when hideous near-instantaneous annihilation seemed to loom over us far more ominously than, uh, than it does now, even, even in these troubled times. I'm also oddly reassured by the efficacy of an early warning system and even more so by a government that is willing to act upon the damn thing. This was borne in on me by a, a, a news article uh, the very same day about how the uh, British government are considering taking action to safeguard the money, the investments, uh, the bank accounts of ordinary citizens should another banking crisis hit the financial world. Only considering it, mind, you know, they're mulling it over. They're weighing up the pros and cons and uh, taking everything into consideration because, and I'm sure you'll be delighted to know, they don't really expect it to happen again. Just as nobody saved for a few fiscal Cassandras did back in 2008. Fuck them though, eh what? When everybody's coining it in and there's plenty of blow about, the last thing the party needs is dire warnings about how actions have consequences. So come on, eh? Calm down, podcast pals, and take comfort in the knowledge that nothing bad is ever going to happen ever again. 
and even if by some bizarre fluke it does, it's altogether possible that somebody up there might just be giving serious thought to taking steps towards drawing up a strategy on how best to begin working out a vague plan of doing something about it. Because one can't simply go crashing about doing things when it comes to banks and bankers. They don't like it. It wounds their delicate sensibilities and it puts them off their feed. Several governments have learned this lesson. You will, I'm certain, remember George Brown bragging about his light touch with the financial bods during his tenure as Labour's Chancellor. Or, or perhaps you try very hard not to remember it because, let's face it, it's a phrase that is freighted with truly hideous images and associations. After that, we had George Osborne fighting tooth and nail against the EU's plan to cap the uh, bonuses awarded to banking bigwigs, with public money no less, and in the same month that the Conservative government abolished free access to employment tribunals on the grounds that the taxpayers shouldn't have to fund people's work-related grievances. Ah, twas ever thus, and twill tallways to probably to be to so, I should imagine. Goose fuckers that lay the golden eggs in party coffers don't get killed. Or even mildly inconvenienced. The rich and powerful are skittish beasts. And should things turn even slightly umpty for them regulation-wise, they'll up sticks and flee to foreign parts where the weather is better and the politicians are more accommodating. All mark you to the rapturous, sycophantic applause of their apologists, who seem to feel that uh, doing so is their inalienable right, should the country scorn their hard work and well-documented history of selfless excellence. What a different story it is, however, whenever other hard-working, though far less well-remunerated professionals, point out that they could be doing a lot better if they uh, took off for the wild blue yonder and new, uh, new country. Take doctors, for example. You see, I told you we'd be back on them. Whenever a story breaks about how many workers in that field are thinking about leaving the country, the mob curses them roundly as ingrates and traitors. Why should they take all the benefits of a British education and training and piss off to abroad? I thought they became doctors to help people. It's not supposed to be about money, is it? They howl blissfully unaware of their servile acceptance of plutocrats who have similarly profited from favourable conditions here, suddenly taking the hump and biting the hand that feeds them because it's decided to cut their ration of tasty treats in the interest of fairness. Patriotism, gratitude, altruism, these are only virtues for those that can't afford not to have them. For those that can, ha, chuck away that moral compass! Fill a couple of pillowcases with bearer bonds and take your helicopter straight to the nearest airport and the British public will cheer you on your way and good luck to you. Similarly, the striking doctors are accused by many of being politically motivated as opposed to, you know, the politicians who are, well, they're not political, they're just trying to get things done and have everybody's best interest at heart. People shouldn't have to miss out on treatment because of those selfish bastards, say the public, and... So the government spokespeople, though they generally don't say selfish bastards out loud. Um, yeah, the self-same people who have been constantly voting for governments that have been either mismanaging or willfully sabotaging the NHS for years, thus causing far more people to miss out on treatment than could ever be laid at the door of a four-day strike. Dear Lord, there are times when I can't help but think that what we really ought to do to these people is... 
but but no to go on in that vein is to court an aneurysm and now is really not a good time for that sort of thing instead the world's greatest lurcher and I will sit here a little longer and calm the fuck down while we do that and gear up for the song at the end we'll just thank you once again for joining us for this week's episode of Discontent Provider wherein all opinions are entirely my own and should be used for entertainment purposes only. I might also add that facts, quotes, etc. are picked fresh from the bushes of only the most trusted and succulent media outlets and are verified to the best of my poor abilities. We'll see you next week then, and uh, if you'd scatter the tidings of Arkham and Fox's podcastular doings hither and yon, why, we would certainly appreciate it. Any thoughts, suggestions and corrections are welcome. Hit us up, as the youth say, at uh, discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk, won't you? Cheerio. What's up, Doc? Why are you making a fuss? You get paid pretty well, more than most of us. You punt around the wars like a little tin god. Try a day of hard work, you ungrateful sod. Why should my taxes keep you in clover? For donning rubber gloves and telling folks to bend over. We all called you heroes, we stood at our doors. Banging pots and pans, but you still want more. 16 hour shifts, I do that on my head. And my dying nan couldn't get a hospital bed But nurse said there was nothing that she could do I bet it was because of lazy bastards like you I'm sorry about your grandma but that's kind of the point We're working overtime to fix bad hearts and sore joints It's exhausting, it's stressful, they don't pay us enough So if no one wants to do it, things will get pretty tough you're right about the waiting list, but don't blame me. Blame the cutbacks and the drugs who flog her pay and e. I spent hours reattaching a bloke's severed penis. Now he's rutting like a monkey and I got paid peanuts. We're knocking out our pans to heal the sick. But the cash goes to do nothing management pricks. Will some PR wanker help to pick up the slack when you come in with a cancer or a fucked up back? Your sub stories, I live in the real world Where people work hard and commie flags aren't unfurled If you want more money, don't be a big medicine man Ditch the white coat and get yourself a big white van We all know your game, all your unions are Bankrolled by the Kremlin, I read that in the sun You're just gunning for the government like all lefties do So remember this, you need us more than we need you Nowadays if I find I'm in failing health Watch a video on YouTube and I'll treat myself Saving people's lives, how hard can it be? But while I've got you here, could you look at this knee?
shitting on the dock, just pay. Watching the NHS crumble away. Shitting on the dock, just pay. All the time.